Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Thank you for turning to Tim from NBC 10 News and the American Democracy Project at Rhode Island College. This is a Decision 2023 debate, the special election for U.S. Congress. Hello and welcome to the first of two NBC 10 debates among the Democratic candidates in Rhode Island's first congressional district race. We're here at Sappensley Hall on the College of campus of Rhode Island College. It's the special election to replace Congressman David Cicilline representing Rhode Island in Washington. I'm Brian Crandall. I'll be your moderator for this debate. There are 11 Democratic candidates who are on the ballot and still in the race. With a group that large, we decided to split the candidates into two debates. The rest of the candidates will be debating at this same time tomorrow here on NBC 10. The primary is Tuesday. So here on the stage are six of the candidates today. We're going to start with technology professional Stephanie Beauty, State Representative Stephen Casey, State Senator Sandra Cano, former State Representative Aaron Regenberg, State Senator Anna Cazada, and retired investment consultant Alan Waters. Thank you for joining us. The ground rules are basically we're going to ask each of the candidates questions. You'll have 45 seconds to give an initial response and then we'll open it up. Our first question here is on the economy. What would you do in Congress to help average American families who feel like they're struggling with the rising cost of living over the past few years? Interest rates are the highest in two decades. Do you think the current path of raising interest rates is the way to go? Do you think everything goes okay right now? What would you do to help the average Rhode Islander? We'll go in order and start with you, Ms. Beatty. So I think that President Biden did a great first step with the Inflation Reduction Act, but I think that we need to do a lot more and actually invest in our small businesses. Our small businesses are the thriving point here, especially in Rhode Island, that provide a lot of services to our local communities, and I don't think that we've done our due diligence to invest in them. Also, with our resources in the labor unions, I think that we really need to really look at how we can, how we can harness uh, clean energy and translate that into labor union jobs. So I think that there's an opportunity here to really invest invest in the next wave of the next future of our what our economy can can be. Mr. Casey. I think uh, I think raising the interest rates was a little bit of a mistake. Uh, you know, people are struggling right now to pay their bills. We've got utility bills, uh, food bills. It's, it's very difficult for people to handle uh, all these expenses as well as their medications. Uh, we got to take a we take a real look at the health care system and help reduce costs with that. And we're doing that also with the Re Inflation Reduction Act, uh, being able to negotiate drug prices. It's going to save $100 billion over the next 10 years, $10, $10 billion a year. Uh, but we really need to do more uh, for the people that are really struggling. And I think I think we've got to, uh, I've got a plan for that. You'll probably we'll hear about it later. some of those ideas. Senator Cano. I've been representing Rhode Islanders for over a decade, and every time I knock on the doors of people, inflation is really hurting them. So one of the things that I would say is important is to call corporations accountable, not only for the pharma industry, but also for the food industry. After the pandemic, the cost of food is really increasing. So the Inflation Reduction Act is a good step, but we really need to make sure we hold those corporations accountable. I have been able to do that at the state level to support families and working families here in Rhode 
Rhode Island, and I continue uh, with that strong representation at the federal level if I get elected. Mr. Regenberg. And we talk about inflation like it's this force of nature. Inflation is, being, is something that's being done to working families by corporations. Corporate profits are literally hitting record highs right now while working families are struggling. And we have concrete policy solutions that can deal with that. You know, we can pass policies to end corporate price gouging. We can pass a windfall profits tax like Senator Whitehouse has introduced to make sure that the industries that are profiting off our pain have to give something back. We can pass antitrust policies like David Cicilline championed to make sure that corporations can't get so big and consolidated they can set prices however high they want without having to deal with competition. There's a lot we can do and we need, we need to get past this tired strategy of just raising interest rates which puts all of the burden for dealing with inflation onto working people, onto poor people. Senator Cazada. Well, it's many things that we can do, but I really think uh, one of the things that I did on, in 20. 19, it was to raise the minimum wage in Rhode Island. And I was, uh, they called me because how do you, and the pandemic, you're going to be able to raise the minimum wage. Then after so many companies noticed there was something they needed to be done. But at the same time, we, many people say inflation is because, because the government sent too much money into the pandemic situation. But I really think it's big corporation making money of poor people, and we need to make them accountable and make them to pay the fair taxes. Mr. Waters. Inflation is a monetary phenomenon. The government prints too much money and Congress spends too much money and that is what causes us the problem. We need more fiscal responsibility in Congress. All right, so we'll get to those points in, in some kind of order. So the argument has been made that big corporations are creating the inflation problem. So you're talking about holding them accountable. What would you actually do to change that and hold them accountable? What can Congress do? Senator Cazada, you said it. What exactly are you going to do to hold them accountable? Give me a step. We need to bring them into the Congress. We need to sit them down. We need to start finding out why they're raising the prices. Are they at the month they're doing it? We need to make them responsible. And at the same time, we need to make them to pay taxes. How Amazon don't pay taxes, federal taxes? How so many big corporations making billions of dollars and not paying taxes? We pay more taxes than them. Then I think we need to make them responsible. We need to bring them into the Congress, sit down, put them in the hot chair, and find out what really is behind them why they're raising the prices. Mr. Waters brings up the point that I think we've all heard before too that did the federal government overheat the economy and pump too much money into the economy uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, Mr. Regenberg, what's, what's your response to that? Was this the result of too much government spending that continues to this day? Well, there's been a lot of economic research and analysis at this point, and we know pretty definitively that the inflation that we've been seeing is not a cause of aggregate demand. It is a cause of corporate profits. This, this is, a, as, as many of my colleagues have said, this is a corporate greed issue. P there have been reporters in CEO uh, board calls where they've, they've recorded people saying, you know, this is an excuse for us to raise, raise costs and then not lower them. So I, I, I think that we need to be pursuing concrete policies. You know, price controls for vital goods like prescription drugs. We need to end the policy of allowing uh, a pharmaceutical company to take a drug that our taxpayer dollars largely helped develop and then slap an exclusive license so, on it, so, raise the cost 6,000%. So, so is, is, is that the answer, Ms. Beauty? Price controls, the, the government has tried to do it on some drugs, but is that a broader strategy that you tell corporations you can't charge over a certain amount of money for a certain product? Can you do that with gas? So I think that 
it, it's, it's a combination of things. So it's not just one, one, one issue. Uh, one, to be globally competitive, people are trying to compete with our, our neighbors across the seas and trying to make sure that our, our market is just as competitive. So we want to put that there, uh, especially when you want to trade and do commerce. Another piece is, in, in fact, uh, the inflation is printing more money. Uh, my daughter, I have her watch this cartoon show, and it talks about economics, and we call it the inflation monster. Uh, the more money that you print, it actually devalues your dollars. Uh, you see a lot of African countries are starting to switch over from using the US dollar to actually trying to use Russian dollars and even Chinese dollars. And so what we are doing is not necessarily the best practice. And I do think we need to be fiscally responsible with the way that we're spending. We're spending way too much money on military. We need to be able to redirect our resources to be, more, to be actually more profitable in the sense that it benefits the small man, that we can actually create more jobs in, in, those, in those sectors. Senator Cano. So accountability with price gouging is the first thing that we need to do. When we look at budgets, we need to be responsible at looking where we're spending that money and how we're holding those uh, corporations But again, how do you do it? How, how would you hold them accountable? So you need to make sure that you bring a name. Like right now, we have corporations charging for medicines here in pharma. Like three times more of Americans are getting paid here in America than what they paid outside the United States. Why? Because we don't have regulations that hold them accountable to that. Uh, President Biden just started yesterday or two days ago uh, with the 10 uh, like medicines that would help the most Americans, but we still need to do more. Like I mentioned, my dad pays $25,000 a month for Revlimin for cancer. That is unacceptable for any American. And if it wasn't for the generosity of other people, we're not saving lives. So, we put in right. lives at risk. So the administration has started with drug prices. Do you move it somewhere else? Representative Casey. Yes, I think we, I think we need to come back to being a superpower with, with manufacturing. Uh, we've pushed all our manufacturing to China. Businesses are going out of state. We need to, we need to reshore. We need to reshore manufacturing. We need to reshore jobs here in the United States. That's Th the That's going to take thing. a while, though, correct? Everything's going to take a while. Same thing with climate reduction. Everybody thinks this is going to happen overnight. We really got to take a stand, start to do things right now. Let me go back to Mr. Waters, because you opened the can of worms with the, um, too much government spending. What do you say to, to most of the other candidates on the stage who say, no, this isn't government spending, this is big corporations who are taking advantage of a situation here to gouge? In 2007 and 2008, the government practiced what is called quantitative easing, where they were buying bonds and pumping cash into the economy. But they didn't stop it after our economy got bad. By the way, uh, the Barack uh, Obama administration helped save this nation at that time. Going forward, uh, they were continuing to buy bonds well into a strong economy. And then, of course, we just have bad policy. We need a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. All right, let me just ask, does anybody think that the federal government can cut taxes right now? Mr. Waters, do you think you yes. can cut taxes? Yes, when you cut taxes, you cut expenses, and there's plenty of fat in the budget to cut. Senator Cazada, do you, would, you, do you, would you tell Rhode Islanders do you think you can go to Washington and cut taxes? Cut taxes to low-income people, yes, but raise taxes to people who are making a lot of money well, that's in comparison. Part of the question, too, do you raise taxes on people, again, the rich, which has yes. been defined as more than $400,000 in income, Mr. Regenberg? I mean, absolutely. We need to rebalance our tax system. We have an unjust tax system. We ha 
under Donald Trump, we cut taxes for millionaires and billionaires even further, and the biggest corporations, as Senator Quesada said. When I was in the State House, every year I introduced legislation to raise taxes on the wealthiest earners, to close the carried interest loophole. Yeah. There, are, right. there are concrete right. so solutions to these problems, right. and some of these solutions would allow us to cut taxes on the folks who really need it. Senator, Senator Cano, do, do you, would you tell Rhode Islanders you think you can go to Washington and cut taxes at least for certain people, and would you raise them on wealthier Americans? I think we need to have a fair share of people paying taxes depending on their level of income. So to what my colleagues have said here, I agree. I think that the wealthiest Americans are paying the less taxes, and we need to make sure we have a fair uh, tax break for, for all Americans and more for working families. Representative Casey. Cutting taxes across the board equally for everybody, I think that's a great deal. When you're talking about cutting ta uh, raising taxes for people who have higher income, you're taking advantage of, of literally all the small businesses in our state. These are pass-through entities. They run the taxes for all their employees through their businesses. So we're going to be affecting those people. You know, you talk about everybody thinks they're the high earners. These are the people that are keeping the lights on. They're paying our people. It's 99% of Rhode Island's economy is small business. Ms. Beauty, would you try to cut taxes for certain Americans and raise them on others? So folks who are living on fixed income, people who are receiving Social Security and Medicaid, uh, who have paid off their homes, their taxes should not be raised. I mean, it's astronomical and it's unfair that they're being taxed out of their homes that they've paid for. So that I can make as a commitment. Uh, as far as it comes to taxing the, re the wealthy, I know that we like to say it as talking points and then that's cute, but to be quite honest, if we're not really responsible with the way that we're spending our money, we're just gonna continue to say we're gonna continue to raise money on the rich and not really address what the we're, root cause gonna... is. But also, uh, there was a mention about prescription drugs being an issue. Prescription drugs have been high. That's not the reason of inflation. It's always been high. It's the fact that we have not had legislation come into play, and we're using these as talking points to prey on the poor. We're gonna, so we need to change that. We're going to move on to the next question. Uh, in this campaign, both race and gender have been brought up as issues. There's been criticism, especially from certain candidates and their supporters, particularly of Mr. Regenberg for getting in the race in the first place. There's kind of this commentary out there essentially that he's an entitled white man who is getting in the way of particularly a woman of color uh, in this race becoming a congressperson. Uh, Miss Beauty, you posted on social media the other day after Senator Bernie Sanders came in to support uh, Mr. Regenberg in front of a billboard that said he did not, uh, Mr. Sanders did not endorse uh, a person of color in the race and that you supported that message. So should race and gender be an issue in this race and if so, why is that important? We'll start with you, Senator Cano, because I think it's some of your supporters who've made that point. So I do believe representation matters. And most of us share the same values in this stage. But one thing that we need to do is make sure that we recognize that there is candidates here that have come from a very working family that really understand the struggles of Congressional District 1 residents. Um, there is candidates here that actually have worked and say that you know, they would do what working families need. So for me, it's about staying with the values of what you think that you represent. And if it's a candidate that has the track record and it is able to put policy and understand the working families and the needs that we, need, that, that we have and the struggles that we have, I think that it is an opportunity for us to have great representation in our delegation that reflects Congressional District 1 residents. Senator Quezada, you've also been awfully critical of Mr. Regenberg. Do you think he essentially got in the way of other candidates in this race who are, who are not white men? Uh, definitely true, but one of the things is Rhode Island is a very diverse community. It's a very diverse state. We need to have representation too. We cannot just keep having four Caucasian men 
and definitely representing us. I think it's time for Rhode Island to send a women of color, a women with experience, a women who've been there, who've done the work, who fight, who bring a struggle with most of the problems that most of Rhode Island have. Mr. Regenberg, most of this has been aimed at you. So what do you say as a white man, can you represent in Washington some of the positions that the other candidates say are important? Well, I agree with my colleagues. Identity and representation matter a lot. And that's why I've worked hard behind the scenes in every election since 2010 to help support and elect new voices, progressive women and people of color all across the state. And I'm really proud of the support that our campaign has from progressive elected officials, women, people of color, black, brown, and white here in Rhode Island and nationally. Just today, our campaign was endorsed by Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm proud of that support. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of the, the work that I've done on these issues that have earned that support. We're gonna get around, Ms. Beauty. If I may, because you started with me. Uh, so first and foremost, I'd like to address the elephant in the room. I didn't purchase a van, but I do agree with the message and the message that entails, which is, hence, I do approve this message. Um, the concern that I have here is that Mr. Regenberg has had a series of patterns, and patterns for folks who have been running for office, in which case he leverages the plight of black and brown communities for his own selfish benefit. He uses the struggles and plights of the poor and working class to then say that, look at how I've helped you, now you get to work for me. Instead of what he has actually posted oh. on his, oh, let me finish. What he did post on his Twitter is that there were many qualified candidates here, right? And we'll, instead, if we'll, I may, we'll get back, uh, if Mr. I may, Regenberg, I didn't we'll get interrupt back you. you while you were speaking. Let's not be rude. So if I may. He did acknowledge himself before entering into the race that there were many other qualified candidates here. Okay. However, Mr. Regenberg has a symptom. It's a symptom similar to what Donald Trump has, where he believes as an educated white man that he is the only person here that can defend the working okay, class, uh, although we'll, he has we'll not I, come from Ms. the working Beauty, I'll, class I'll stop background. you there, but I'm going to get to the other candidates. We'll come back to you, Mr. Regenberg. Well, don't I, don't I worry. Think I need to respond to uh, that. I'll let you respond. Let me get to, other people have not had their say in their first round. I'll get back to you. Don't worry. Mr. Representative Casey, do, do you believe as a white man that there is the race issue has been uh, overplayed in this campaign. Um, I would like to say that I've never played the race issue on everybody. I believe that this is a race for United States Congress. We need to put the most qualified person to represent Rhode Island, no matter what race, creed, color, into the office. That's the most important thing. Mr. Waters, we'll give you the final word on this first round, and then we're going to come back and, and follow up on that. Uh, what do you think about these issues? You're a more conservative candidate in the race. Um, but I am a black male. I've always been black. I've been raised black. I never left black and had to come back. But as an American, he has an equal right to be here and to represent himself and whatever campaign that he runs, if he wins, he wins. I do not necessarily agree with his ideology, but I do believe he has as much right regardless of the color of his skin. All right, we'll go back to Mr. Regenberg because most of this was lobbed at you. That was some pretty harsh criticism from Ms. Beauty, basically. So, go, go ahead. <laughs> so I haven't had some of the experiences that some other folks in this race have had. That's true. But the work that I've done, the values that I bring to politics have been informed by my experiences, my family. My father was killed before I was born. My sister and I were raised by a single working mom. When I came to the, the General Assembly and said we need to pass paid sick days, it's because I understood from personal experience how hard it is for a single mom to make that choice. Do you send your kid to school sick or do you lose a day's pay? You know, my, my grandfather was a refugee from the Holocaust. 
most of his family members were murdered. When I talk about how we need to defend our democracy, it's because my family understands what can happen when we lose our democracy. So do you reject this kind of savior complex uh, kind of argument that you, you swoop in and tell people you're helping them and then... I mean, I think you can look at my record. My work has been organizing in our community, supporting young people to win changes in our public schools, organizing broad coalitions in the legislature to pass major legislation to help working people, to create new clean energy programs, to expand Sen overdose prevention strategies for Sen folks struggling Senator, with addiction. Senator Cano. So, Brian, this is, uh, in fact, what I disagree with. One thing is to say you will support women of color get elected, but when is the trend where you have to put yourself next to a woman of color to be elected that brings the same qualifications, experience, or more qualifications and experience that is leading the way and that have the lived experiences, why not support a progressive woman that already have those values in this stage? And then that is a question that I have for Mr. Bergenberg. It is about the fact that he said, I am going to support a woman if it's qualified and it's enough of a progressive. But what happens was that it wasn't a woman of color enough of a progressive for him right, to support. Hold on. Hold, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Senator Casada, because you've also launched some of the same criticism that he basically said he would support a, a woman of color. Well, he just said woman. that, and, uh, I, and I've been very vocal about it. But one of the things that I wanted to say is we, Rhode Island cannot allow Washington to buy a seat for somebody. And that's what happened. Washington is the one making the decision who represents Rhode Island. I believe Rhode Island needs to elect somebody from Rhode Island who's going to bring Rhode Island to Washington, not Washington to Rhode Island. Okay, Mr. Reagan, why Mr. Reagan, I don't Reagan quickly again. This work that we're talking about, it's work that I've done when it wasn't politically convenient, when it was politically risky. I remember when I was working to support one of the, someone who I think is one of our best state legislators now, Rep. Leonella Felix. She was taking on an anti-choice, anti-minimum wage, entrenched career politician. And I remember the hurt of her team when she saw a mailer from that anti-choice, anti-worker politician with none other than Senator Cano right there stumping against a progressive woman of color who'd been endorsed by Planned Parenthood and other progressive groups. Can I finish? Our, our work, the, other representative. the work that you I've been doing. That for talking points. I am a representative of the people of Rhode Island that have the most experience here from every level he put, of government, from the school committee the to the mailer? city council, we, to the state senate, the and the doing all the track record, and we already have done the work. And then what you said in your tweet when you enter into this race is that you will support a progressive woman. And it, what you meant really was my two colleagues, Megan Kalman and Don Oyer, that were the Brian, woman, you, progressive woman. I've been doing, we're let, hold on, I've been doing this work for many years when it was and when it wasn't politically convenient. And I don't think that's something that right, everyone on this stage Representative can say. Casey to get the last word on this. You, you had a long time this beauty to launch the uh, talking about Mr. Regenberg's poor choices. Okay, this is about an election for Congress. We're not talking about the issues. We're not talking about hunger. We're not talking about homelessness. We got to address all these issues. I think this is crazy. Well, okay, let's follow up kind of along the issue because you said you need a person with the experience. In the last uh, few years, has enough been done to address civil rights, equality, especially uh, following the murder of George Floyd? And what, what's your position on that? Do you think more needs to be done? What would you be done? Uh, what would you do if you go to Washington? We'll start with Senator Kazada. Well, I think I'm vocal 
about civil rights and Sinkasai being in the Senate. Most of my legislation is about civil rights. I was the Leo board uh, sponsor with Representative Williams. Then nobody in here. Some people, even my colleague, voted in favor of Senator Ruggiero uh, bought a bill of rights when it wasn't the right one. And I, you know, to be honest to you, because I'm not a yes person, I don't follow the little chip. That's why you don't see the Senate behind me. You see them behind her. But the thing is, we need to work and make uh, more comments about it, how we, United States, work when we're talking about uh, the Leo board. Mr. Waters, what do you think? Do you think the federal government needs to do more to address equality and civil rights? The federal government has come a long way. Uh, to honor our Constitution has come a long way. But in 1963, when Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said his famous speech, I have a dream, I was seven years old. And at that time, and what's the changes that this country has made, we still can improve, but what my ancestors, my near ancestors went through, we don't go through today. This is a wonderful country, best nation in the world. Miss Beauty, what do you think? Do you, would you do more in Washington? What would you do? Absolutely. Um, I think we need to pass legislation so that way we can codify um, affirmative action. I'm also thinking about LGBTQ plus communities. We really need to do our due diligence because that is also under attack. We need to make sure that businesses have diversity, equity, and inclusion as part of their hiring practice. I want to see at least at minimum 20%. If you are looking to be considered uh, a company that we need to do business with, then you need to be actually representing folks because what's going to happen are folks are going to be laid off. They're going to start to, you know, create new barriers and blockers to prevent folks from being able to lead in the best in the best opportunities. Representative Casey. I agree with I agree with uh, Stephanie. I think diversity, equity, inclusion is very important. We've come a, we've come a long way, um, but we're all we are all equal under the Constitution. And I think look at the panel and look at the look at the rest of the candidates. We're all here to try and represent the state of Rhode Island. We can all do that. Um, I, I think equality diversion. I'm sorry, <laughs> equality. Equality, equity, diversity, I'm sorry. Diversity, equity, inclusion, extremely important. We need to continue, we need to continue with that. Senator Cano. So affirmative action is extremely important and it also comes with policies that actually bring the um, dress of Americans to understand that cultural competency trainings needs to happen across our institutions. I have already done that as a state legislator. I think that bringing that type of legislation to the federal level is going to help us a lot because that is how we take our unconscious bias out of our system and serve everyone and look at everyone as equal. Um, so it is important that we do uh, have the person that is, has the most experience sent to Washington, D.C., and also that represents the values of Rhode Islanders. Mr. Regenberg. Of course, we need to do more on so many issues, including um, police accountability and reform. I do want to compliment Senator Casada for her legislation to repeal LIBOR. There are things we can do at the state level, and of course there's things we need to do at the national level. I think one of the scariest uh, issues that we're dealing with is a su Supreme Court that seems hell-bent on rolling back as many light rights as they can for communities of color, for immigrants, for LGBTQ plus communities. And so part of this work, in addition to the things my colleagues have said, I think is taking the fight to the Supreme Court. We need to reform that corrupt institution. I, I, a couple of follow-up questions uh, along this topic. So the Supreme Court, as you mentioned, um, struck down affirmative action in college admissions, right or wrong? Wrong. Uh, Good, but, Ms. Beauty. 
before we get to that, a cultural competency is not going to fix issues at your, in your boardroom or in your, in your business. Me telling you about how to treat a person like that, that that's not necessarily the, the way. I think by creating legislation that involves communities, so we have low, middle, affordable income housing, it creates a dialogue within communities. So building trust and relationships in communities are huge. Back to the affirmative action question with the Supreme Court. I think that that is an example of why we need representation in DC. These are the, this is truly the example of affirmative action. You check off boxes. I think everyone here is pro, well, most of us climate, all of that uh, with, with rights. And I think that with that, being say, with that being said, it doesn't just start at the Supreme Court. It starts here on the debate stage. It starts in your businesses. It do you starts think anybody in your here, hospitals. Does, it, does anybody it here th there. think the Supreme Court was right? To strike yeah. on, on that on that no, decision? No, they, were not, the they were not right. But the affirmative college admission decision? No, yes, but affirmative yes. action. Mr. Waters, you say yes. Uh, and Mr. Casey, did you want to say something? They weren't right, but the problem starts with education, okay? Our urban core, our urban core communities have very poor education system. I don't care what anybody says. Rhode Island and the entire United States is struggling. Would, would anybody here support cutting police department funding, and some people call it the funding the police, uh, to move more funding toward mental health or other support systems. Mr. Waters, would, would you support cutting police department funding? No, in the neighborhood, Ms. the neighborhood, Senator no. Senator no. no. We'll I make this quick I'll, before we have to go to a break. I want to make police responsible for their behavior, but I don't think we should cut the police budget. Mr. Regenberg. I agree with Senator Casada. I, I don't think we need to choose. We do need to invest in mental health. We do need to invest in education. We do need to invest in housing. And those things will Im improve safety in our communities, but we don't need to do that at Senator the expense Con of Senator law enforcement. We don't, we don't need to cut the budgets of our police departments. In fact, in the city council, I supported both community relationships with our community policing and also mental health support and investments in education that are extremely important. And I'm the only one that have passed legislation for mental health support in Very the state. Quickly. Representative Casey, you're a firefighter. Yes, sir. So would you would you support? Absolutely anyway? not. Do not cut do not cut police funding in any way. We need uh, we need to we need to we do need to increase mental health. I don't care how we do it. We need to increase mental health spending. Ms. Beauty, real quick. I have a lot of great friends who are police officers, uh, Cranston Police Department, Coventry, Bristol. I mean, I can go on with the relationships that I've had. Um, I think that the investment and supporting of our police so that way they can be successful at their jobs is really well, important. Uh, and also making sure that there's community engagement. I, Relationship is huge. I'm gonna stop you there. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with this NBC 10 debate in Rhode Island's first congressional district among the Democrats. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to this NBC 10 debate among the Democratic candidates in Rhode Island's first congressional district race. I want to get right back to the questions. I'm going to ask for a quick answer on this one, although it's a very heated topic, uh, on abortion. If abortion rights came up for a vote uh, in Congress and you were there, uh, and it was basically essentially to codify the protections that were in Roe v. Wade that the Supreme Court overturned, would you vote for it? So I'm looking for a quick answer. We'll start with you, Representative Casey. I'm pro-life, but I will support a woman's right to choose. Senator Kazada. Definitely, yes. Mr. Waters. No. You would vote against codifying Roe v. Wade? Yes, I would Our, vote against it. Mr. Regenberg. Of, of course we need to vote for it, and I don't think that belongs in the Democratic Party. We'll get to that in a minute. Ms. Beauty. I wouldn't call him that, uh, but I'd, I, to refer to a human being as that, I think that that's disrespectful, especially as a man of color. Don't do that. Um, I would vote to codify Roe v. Wade. Senator Kana. I have probably voted twice in Rhode Island. I will take my advocacy and certainly vote it at the national level. All right, another quick answer. If it came to a vote in Congress, uh, David Cicilline held this seat uh, previously. He led the charge in the House to pass an assault weapons ban. If it came, it didn't make it through the Senate. If it comes up again, would you vote for an assault weapons ban? Mr. Waters. We already have an, a ban on assault weapons. The answer is no, I would not support it. We don't have a ban as we did 20 years ago. Uh, we'll go to Ms. Beauty. I would vote to support it. Senator Cano. Our communities need to be self safe. We need to support it right now. Representative Casey. I would not. This is all rhetoric. We need to get to the root of the problem, which is gun violence on the street. I'll pick that up in a second, Mr. Regenberg. Whoever's the next rep needs to continue David Cicilline's championing of this issue. I would definitely support it. It's not fair that our children cannot go to school and feel safe. Well, and continuing on this topic, this is that we asked our uh, colleagues at Rhode Island College for questions from students being on a college campus. One of the questions that we did get from the Rhode Island College students uh, was given, you know, the prevalence of mass shootings. There was just another shooting in Jacksonville. There was a shooting on the campus of the University of North Carolina. What measures do you propose? And again, we've talked about an assault weapons ban to alleviate the concerns of individuals who live in fear of gun violence, uh, kids who go to school, parents who send their kids to school. Uh, we've talked about the assault weapons ban, but what would you do with those who supported it beyond doing that? Those who didn't, what would you do in lieu of that? We'll start with Senator Cano. We need to make sure that we have protections all across on the board, not only with the assault weapon, but with also with safe uh, storage. We did that in, in Rhode Island. Make sure that we have all the checks for people that are acquiring um, uh, the, the, the guns and making sure that everyone knows that these communities need to feel protected, safe, and that they belong. The LGBTQ communities, our children, our uh, religious groups, they all feel threatened by this epidemic that is only happening in the United States. Mr. Regenberg. I've got a two-year-old son, spend a lot of time thinking about the kind of fear he's going to have. Is he going to be safe at school from guns and mass shootings? We need universal background checks. We need safe and secure storage, as was said, which did not pass in Rhode Island. It was blocked by legislative leadership, and I think that was a shame. We need to close the loophole that allows the gun industry to be the one industry that can't be held legally, legally liable for the destructive effects of its products. Uh, there's a lot that we can do, but it's about how do we bring people together and organize a movement strong enough to take on the NRA and the entrenched gun interests that are making billions off of this crisis. Ms. Beauty. So I have a five-year-old daughter. Um, she actually had to do an active school fire drill when she was three years old at her pre-K. And that was heartbreaking, honestly. I got an email saying that someone was walking around the school and that they thought that they had a gun. 
that shook me to my core. I'm gonna be quite honest about that. I think that we need to do more in the sense, instead of just going after the gun lobbyists, if you own a gun, you need to also understand the criminality, the criminal penalties associated with it, stiff, harsh penalties associated with that. One, we need to make sure that folks who use a gun know how to operate it before you even have a license. Make sure that you have 90% accuracy with your shooting. I think that we also need to tie in mental health with actually getting an approval from your physician that says that you are clear to be able to own and operate a gun safely and responsibly. We'll come back. Let me get to Representative Casey. You and Mr. Waters say no to an assault weapons ban. Why not? What do you do instead? I'm a firefighter and EMT. There's nobody up here that cares more about people's safety than I do. And I, I work hard every day to ensure that. I have done drills with my police department. I'm on the SRT response team. What we need to do is we need to look at mental health first, okay? 54% of all gun deaths in the United States are from suicides. We have, but, a, we have a mental health problem. When it comes problem, to mass shootings, a, most people are concerned about sending their kids to school, coming to college campuses, and they're afraid of mass shootings. Most of these massacres are committed with assault-style Rifles. Right. How do you so address you, that you don't problem? Think other a, countries have so you don't think there's a mental health too. issue with the well, person? Well, other countries that, have mental health issues too. Understood. They have different gun laws. Understood. President Biden's Safer Community Act addresses these things. Okay. We need to actually put more more resources more resources into the school system. That's what the act does. Okay. I talked I talked to the students in Woonsocket. Okay. We had a Generation Citizen Week. Kids did a, kids did a uh, a project, and I asked them. Do you want more resource officers? Yes, they only have one so, in the junior so, high school. So more police kids. officers in schools. Let me, let me cut you there. Let me get to Mr. Waters, who shares the opposition to an assault weapons ban. Semi what would you do instead? Well, what we're going to need to do is have those more resources, uh, resource officers. But we've had a breakdown of uh, morals, family values, uh, the lack of fathers in the home. Uh, it's going to take a generation or so to change that. But we need people that uh, push America back in that direction. So more police officers in schools, there's a lot of inner city schools who they, they don't want that. Uh, Senator Cunham. We need more support for our teachers. We need to have more investments in trauma-informed schools because unfortunately, our kids are every single day suffering by fear, but we also do need to have the measures of having uh, gun safety to make sure that that is not around our schools. Like mental health support is extremely important Sen and investments need to happen. So social Sen workers, psychologists are actually in the Sen school Senator well. Kazana. Uh, since I've been a state senator, I've been supporting most of gun say, uh, common sense regulations in Rhode Island. And I will continue that path in Washington. But one of the things we're talking about, uh, our children to feel safe in school, and we have to make sure, I do agree, we do need to do something with mental health issue. We need do, to invest. Do you fortify schools like mostly Republicans say? Do you, you fortify schools and, and not punish legal gun owners, Mr. Regenberg? I want to respond to one thing from Rep Casey because I think it's really important. You talked about suicide. Suicide is impacted by the easy access to guns and firearms that we have in this country. And when you limit that, so you lower so in, in, Austra in Australia. Rifles. In Australia, they had a. Would you, in, in Australia, would you, would you limit? Would you Casey, limit? They're going to find a way. Rep, Don't tell me it's. Rep, in Australia, when they had a mass shooting, they did the civilized thing. They came together in the 90s and they passed uh, comprehensive gun control legislation. There's been a lot of research since then. Suicide by firearm went down by 54% in 
after that legislation passed. These issues are connected, and you can't separate them. Right, but did the, did the suicide rate go down? Representative Casey. We need to control lobbyists in Washington from the guns. Uh, people because those are the problems. They give in so much money to all this well, legislation, to well, poll, all the congressmen, and that's one of the things why we it, don't see that. Is it the NRA controls. that's just driving the bus here? I don't think it's the NRA that's driving the bus. Yes. One in three, yes. One yes. In three Americans yes. is a gun owner. Okay? We don't, we, we can't pass but, legislation. But many of them also support more restrictions in a way. I, I support common sense gun legislation. If we need to raise, if we need to raise the age for gun ownership, we can that. work on that. I don't have a problem with that. I'm all Red for gun flags. safety and I'm all for common sense gun legislation. All right, we're gonna move on to a, another question. Uh, this again uh, is kind of focused at Mr. Regenberg. You've been the focus of criticism over the uh, super PAC that was uh, financed by your family members uh, and whether you've faced accusations that you illegally coordinated with the super PAC, uh, most of the criticism, some of it has come from candidates who will be in our second debate who are not here. Um, Mr. Regenberg, was it hypocritical of you uh, to take the support of this family financed uh, super PAC uh, and potentially get around individual uh, spending limits? My, my position on outside spending has always been consistent. The problem is the system of outside spending. I think we need to get money out of but politics. Are you benefiting from I think it right we need now? to get money out of politics completely. As far as I know, I'm the only candidate in this race that's actively pushed for public financing of elections. And in Congress, I'd help lead the fight to overturn Citizens United and super PACs for all elections. But I've always been very consistent. Until then, I don't want Joe Biden to swear off the super but PACs are that are helping him defeat Donald Trump. Are you inconsistent now with your, what's happening with you? As I said, until then, I don't want Donald Trump to overturn, to swear so off the super take PAC supporting him. Again, I know that my opponents in this race are not swearing off the... It's about continuing having the values and no lie to the residents of Rhode Island. I do believe that when you benefited from your own super PAC, then you don't call it out. But then when there is other people having super PACs, then you're the first one to say, I want money out of politics. That, that is not the way that our next representative should be going to represent you in Congress. We need someone that has honesty and that is consistent with those values. And one thing that I would say is that well, that super PAC portrayed him a, as a hero. I need, I need to make sure that Rhode Islanders know that we don't need a hero. We need workers that are going to advocate we'll get, we'll for Rhode Islanders every single day. Miss, Miss Beauty, this is, do you want to weigh in on Mr. Reagenberg's? I would, I would like to, but I don't want to be overshout here, so I could, could I be heard? So just a moment to have the floor. The issue here is it shows the character that we have on the stage. Mr. Reagenberg will say, do whatever it is to be elected. And that is not someone that we can trust because behind the scenes he will say, do whatever it is to keep power. And so gonna, that, gonna, that issue there. We're get with the super around. PAC, what, he Mr. could have, I will get back what to Mr. Regenberg could have was work with minimal means, worked with his volunteers. I'm, I have a bunch of high school students Sen that are working really come back hard to, to, to work Senator, on our campaign. Senator and he Kizada. could have rerouted I, his finances. Senator Kazada, you've been very critical. You've called Mr. Regenberg a liar. You said he's never worked for anything in his life. Well, uh, and that's true. Um, but uh, my thing is, it's not that he didn't work for anything. I say he never, one of the things, he never struggled for anything in his life. It's not like a regular Rhode Island, how he going to be able to fight for things, for things that he never struggled with. It's very easy for him to say, don't take money from here, don't take money from there, but because he's wealthy. If he had money and his family had money, then 
then he can have his own pack. Not everybody in here had this, that same benefits. I'm on the underdog, but, but, one but, of the underdog in this campaign. I but, made my $100,000 at 20, 50, and 60. I didn't have people making a big pack uh, for go, myself go, go ahead, for $130,000. I've talked about how my experience and family inform my values in the work that I've done. My family has been under attack a lot over the last few weeks. Was it an attack, or uh, my, they just financed my, your super with, with a lot With a lot of, of wild accusations. No one's attacking your my, ethnicity. My, my you bring that up all the time, but that's not what's been brought my up. Made a personal, hold on, Ms. Beauty. Excuse me. It's the super hold on, Ms. Beauty. My in-laws made a personal contribution in their personal capacity to support someone that they believe in, who's running on a platform that they care about, but Medicare for All, Green New Deal, and more. They can make a contribution like most people do. Our campaign has been consistent. What we talked about from the beginning of this race that we, was that we were pledging to not take a dime in corporate PAC or corporate lobbyist money, and that's what we've done. So the, does, the difference does this speak here, to an issue, the, though? The so difference here, Brian. I, know, I don't know if most people, I, I gotta be, so I don't know if most, Brian, most people care about super PAC funding and stuff, but I think we're talking about a bigger issue here. Is the issue that certain people are beholden to certain interests and if they go to Washington will be beholden to them and because some people have money or some people don't that that's what tips, right. tips the scale. Especially if your family's under SEC investigation. Makes hold his contribution. A floor, he does it in his professional if it's capacity. An, an hold on, Mr. Hold on, one at a time. For their clients, the clients that are raising costs, that are increasing prescription drug costs, that are profiting off a broken healthcare system, Keep everything that we've talked about. Our campaign is not taking a dime from that money because they know but, that we're, we're running to take on corporate power. That's not something that many of my opponents in but this you're race getting your money can from say. Go ahead, Miss Beauty. I'm going to Miss Beauty. Half of the, half of the sitting the members of Congress Senator right Cazado. now are millionaires. Let's, let's use data. Half of the sitting members of Congress right now are millionaires. You want to talk about the working class struggling? That's part of the issue. Even more so, a third of them have never actually worked. That is another issue. Why would you send someone whose best friend is the head of the Working Family Party to be sending you, them to actually represent right. working class Sen individuals? Senator it's Kizana. not true. We need, we need representation. I'm just saying, it's very easy for him to say that. But he all, you know, they, oh, he didn't know this, he didn't know his father-in-law. But his father-in-law worked for a big corporation, too. Okay. Then they're going to be lobbying, and he has Ms. a responsibility is, now. Is part of this I'm now that Mr. Regenberg, Mr. Regenberg. They can see more time with my grandson. Okay. Like that's no, that's a nice try, nice try, Mr. Reagan. Mr. Regenberg has been the focus of a lot of the criticism. Is that because Mr. Regenberg is the front runner now, and everybody wants to go after him, Mr. Casey? I don't think Mr. Regenberg is the front runner. I've been endorsed by every first responder in the state of Rhode Island, including the State Fraternal Order of Police, and more recently the local 513 food and beverage workers at the Pepsi plant. I'm a guy that works hard here, okay? If we want to start going with resumes, 48 hours a week at the fire department, up to 65 hours a week at the state house being a chairman of a committee. And, and I have my own personal business that I run. So, at least I can spell W2. Right. Senator Cano, is, is the criticism being lobbed at Mr. Regenberg because now everybody in the race is chasing him? No, I do believe that uh, building coalitions is really how you show that Rhode Islanders are behind you. I have the honor to have around 17, 70 
elected officials for every level of government with different ideologies supporting my campaign, and they are the ones that really represent the communities in Congressional District 1. When we talk about being the front runner, we have to talk about the borders of Rhode Island, and that is what we're going to see what happened on Tuesday. And I would say that I'm very proud to say not only we teachers, unions, the public teachers, and the nurses have backed my campaign, okay. but We're also the Rhode Islanders themselves. We're going to finish this topic with Mr. Waters. I support the reversal of Citizens United, even if we have to go to a convention of states to do so. And as far as Mr. Regenberg is concerned, as long as he is following the law, lucky him. All right. I do want to get, because Mr. Regenberg said you don't really belong in this race, Mr. Waters. You basically ran as a Republican before. Mr. Casey, you're more conservative. But I'm not uh, a Republican. You, you, I respect the Democratic you, Party. I'm a John uh, Kennedy Democrat. What does it mean to you to be a progressive? There's been, there's been some criticism that progressives are taking the party too far left for mainstream America. We're going to try to keep this pretty quick. Ms. Beauty, what do you think about progressivism? It seems like most of the candidates are trying to espouse their progressive credentials in this race. Well, if I may, Brian, I, I must issue a correction. He didn't say Mr. Waters. He said that didn't belong here, and so that, that is a correction. Th those were his words. Um, his you said that. Those were yes, your words. Direct quote. You didn't say his position. You said that didn't belong here. Those are your words. Um, back to your question. I, th I think folks are going to get distracted on progressive. I'm really focused on people. People are struggling. People in Jamestown, people in Woonsocket, people in Bristol, people in Providence. It's about people. And when we, uh, when we start to put labels on it, we start to lose the folks who are, who are, who are struggling. But, Re Representative Casey, are, are you concerned? I think you've called yourself an old style. Old school. Old school Democrat. Are, are you concerned that the party is going too far left for average Rhode Islanders? I believe that's the case, but it's not an issue with progressive politics. Uh, listen, I, I support the things that the progressive party is talking about. We have to address climate change, but we can't do it stop dead now. We have to have a process to do all of these things. Everybody wants everything now. We gotta figure out how to pay for it, what's the plan, how to make it happen right. We have infrastructure problems we need to address for climate change. Mr. 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 Waters, you ran as a Republican just a year ago, uh, so a lot of people, and you, you're Social media looks like that of a right-wing Republican. Well, what I am is I'm a real liberal, and that means I believe in liberty. I believe in less government in our lives to interfere. But, I believe in free enterprise, and I also believe in a strong government. That's but, a classical liberal. But, I can't speak for the, the left. That, I, it doesn't the matter whether party. I'm. It doesn't matter whether I'm a Republican or a Democrat. What it matters is my values and what I believe in, and I'm bringing the party back to where it was. Senator Cazada. This is not about progressive or not progressive. This is about working family and what people going through in, in Rhode Island. We need to fight for people who are going for people who are homeless, people who are making the minimum wage, people who are on welfare, who cannot afford. Yesterday, I got a phone call from a lady who was on the street, and before I was came to this forum, I was on the phone trying to find a housing for that lady because she was on the street with two children living in her car, plus other 10 women. That's the issue that it's about today. It's not about if you are Democrat or you are Republican or but you are Mr. Mr. Regenberg, you talk about being a progressive and fighting for progressive policies and ideals. Is that too far to the left for most Rhode Islanders? I mean. Progressive means that you're fighting for a fair economy and a government that works for everyone. And that's 
That is a reasonable position. I'm really proud to be running on a strong progressive platform, on Medicare for All, on a Green New Deal. I'm proud to have been endorsed by the Congressional Progressive Caucus, which David Cicilline helped to found, and leading progressive yeah, leaders like Jamie battle. Raskin, who helped, who helped work with David to lead the impeachment of Donald Trump. Progressive, th there's a lot of talk about both sides. Let's be very clear. The MAGA wing of the Republican Party wants to overturn our elections and take away our fundamental rights. The progressive wing of the Democratic Party thinks that everyone should have health care, thinks that people who are working full-time shouldn't live in right. poverty, thinks that we should address the existential threat of our time, the climate Senator crisis. Senator Connor. So your question was about our Democratic Party, and I do believe that in Rhode Island we do have a big tent, but we do need someone that is able to talk across all of our ideologies and bring us together. It's about unity, and it's about making sure that we make progress for all Rhode Islanders without leaving people behind. And that is why I'm so proud to have received endorsements from all the type of Democrats that we do have in Rhode Island. Because it is about believing in someone that could get things done for all Rhode Islanders and all Congressional District 1 residents. And that includes the 19 municipalities in this district. We cannot leave people behind. We cannot leave the people behind. You know, that's really, that is important. Okay. Uh, we're getting close to the end of time. We're going to ask some quick questions here. President Biden tried to provide $20,000 of student debt relief. The Supreme Court stepped in. He's still trying other ways. Uh, we'll start with Mr. Waters. Uh, should any amount of student loan debt be forgiven? Too many Rhode Islanders have worked and paid off their loans, so the answer is it would be unfair. So no. But perhaps we can adjust the interest, and perhaps we can make sure at least minimum they pay the principal back. Senator Cano, should any amount, is it 20000 should it be more than that? Uh, do you think that, as to Mr. Waters' argument, and this has been brought up, that so many people have saved for college, they thought they were doing the right thing, and other people got into a lot of debt. What's your response? Do you think So right now, uh, our young Americans are like really struggling to make decisions financially in life because of their student debt. So I do believe President Biden's first uh, program of $20,000 is the right thing to do, but we need to look progressively into helping more working Americans to get a better relief so they can focus on being able to buy a house or being able to start a family because right now they're not able to have those decisions because they're paying so much interest. In Representative case. Casey, should student loan debt any amount, 20000 higher, lower? I don't, be I don't think it's fair to all those people who worked so hard to pay their student loans, who took on debt and paid their responsibilities. It's not fair to the families that paid off their loans for their children, maybe multiple children. I think what, I think what we need to do, we could do a reduction or a change on the interest rate, but we can't put that payment, we can't reduce it, pay it, and make it paid by the taxpayer. I'm not done yet. And here's the thing, taking on debt is part of personal growth and financial responsibility. If we start this process with everybody, then we're just gonna, we're going, out, we're going down the rabbit hole. Senator Cazada. Well, I, I, I really believe we should be um, free college for public college, like uh, CCRI, URI, all these colleges should be free. And we should take all those loans from those people, not for private college or private universities. I didn't get to answer the question. <laughs> Uh, so, when I graduated from college, I remember the banks needed to be bailed out, and they were irresponsible. My taxpayer dollars, my mom's taxpayer dollars, I mean, all of us had to bail out the banks. When it came down to the PPP loans, we bailed out and helped our corporations. 
I think I that we need to be able to do the same for student loans. Mr. Regenberg, we'll go real quick and we'll wrap it up. So many Rhode Islanders are struggling under a mountain of debt, and these are people who have been paying every month, often life-altering amounts, and it's just getting, it's not even getting at the principal, it's just getting at the interest. We need, we need, to, we need to remove this burden, and we need to make we're gonna, public college We're gonna finish it there, we gotta finish and go to closing, forward. we gotta go to closing statements real quick. Uh, again, 30 seconds, we're gonna start predetermined order. Representative Casey. I'm an Eagle Scout and a Freemason. This is something that every, that only one U.S. president in history has achieved. I know that the Rhode Island people can trust me. In my 10 years in leadership at the State House, I've brought together business, industry, and union leaders to find compromise and common ground. That's why business is supporting me, and I've been endorsed by every first responder in the state of Rhode Island. As a 17-year firefighter, I put my life on the line every Ms. day Beauty. to keep people safe. Ms. Beauty. Go ahead. I'll guarantee that I'll keep people. Oh, are we not mic'd? You want to do it again? Go ahead, real quick. Who are we pointing go, at? Go yeah. ahead. Okay. My name is Stephanie Beauty, and I'm running for Congress. To be quite honest, I would have enjoyed to be a private citizen. However, if we look at the way that our state has been, small businesses have been struggling for over 20 years. Our education system has been behind. Our students have been failing. And so if we want to things up. to stay the same, then electing the same politicians Mr. is what we're going to expect. Mr. Waters, but I'm asking for us to change Thank the way much. that we do business. 67 here. years old, family man, father of five. I bring wisdom. Uh, if you're looking for a traditional, mainstream, uh, centrist Democrat, perhaps like the old days, I'm a perfect candidate for the district. Senator Cano, real quick. We need someone that, who will build coalition and debate the policy, not the person. I have the track record to be effective for all Rhode Islanders through all levels of government here in Rhode Island. I am ready to represent you. I'm Sandra Cano, and I hope you support Mr. me September 5th. Mr. Regenberg. We've been lucky to be represented by David Cicilline, who had the courage to take on Republicans and the biggest corporations in the world. That's the kind of leadership that I'm running for Congress to continue. Because together, we've been doing this work for years, passing Senator, paid sick days, raising wages, creating Senator new clean Kizada, energy programs, taking on big pharma and big oil. That's the work we need Senator to continue Kizada. in Washington. Uh, you said today who's the most progressive person on this uh, stage. And I can say to you I'm the most progressive, not because I'm progressive in every issue, but I'm the one who went through many struggles in my life, and I know what working family going through. I will be fighting for Rhode Island to get new thank Green Deal. I want to thank all the candidates who joined us here on stage. Again, we have a second debate coming up at this same time tomorrow. And thanks for our partnership with the American Democracy Project. Voting is Tuesday in the primary.